Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea, and I don't have a co-host precisely. This is more of a roundtable discussion. And the show topic is one I thought of a long time ago, so long ago that I'd actually forgotten about it. And But I set um, a Google reminder in my calendar, and so that popped up in my inbox. I was so excited, and the timing is ideal because it's exactly what I personally am mulling over right now, is 2020 your year to run a marathon, either for the first time or again. So we'll get to my personal angle in a bit, but first I want to introduce the two guests slash roundtable um, participants. They are both coaches in our Train Like a Mother Club programs. Amanda Loudon, a frequent co-host of the show, is the coach of our traditional programs. Amanda is the mother of two, a son in college and a daughter in high school. Amanda lives in Maryland. And Elizabeth Liz Waterstrott is one of two TLAM Club coaches of both our heart rate training programs and triathlons. Um, She does that along with Jennifer Harrison. Liz is a mom of three kiddos and she lives outside Chicago. Welcome back to the show to both of you. Hello. Hi. Hello. All right. So let's let's start with your marathon cred. Um, how many marathons each of you have run? Um, Liz, you first, and I know your number has kind of an asterisk next to it. So explain, please. Yes, I have done one open marathon, and it didn't even count because it was well, I was much younger, and I was doing it with my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, uh, and I had no idea what I was getting into. And I, I still don't know how we did it, but um, so, so that one that one doesn't even really count. So the only marathons that I've that I've done with any recollection of them is uh, four of them, or excuse me, five of them, but they were at the end of an Ironman. So I don't even know if those count. I don't. Uh, I think they might count extra. <laughs> okay, Amanda, you have more kind of a straight up answer on this one. Um, how many marathons have you run? And I don't know, maybe what was a highlight one? You know what? So Liz just kind of changed things for me. But um, <laughs> so I have 14 strict marathons, and then one Ironman. Um, so <laughs> if we're counting, I guess that makes it 15. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, gosh, a favorite. I I don't, I don't know. Richmond, I guess. Richmond has always, I, I've run, run Richmond um, three different times. The two times I PR'd there. So I, I love that course. And um, oh. yeah, I've, I've executed well there. So yes. We're actually, as a side note, we're actually thinking, we're considering Richmond as a race, like a mother uh, program race. So I don't know. I've just heard great things about it here. A lot of mother runners run it. And so and sure. AMR has never been there. So I'm yeah. glad to hear good things about it. So, okay, Amanda, that's yet another way that we are twins, which is that I have also run 14 marathons. No Iron Man. I'm the Iron Man out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, and uh, But I've been wondering if I should run number 15 next June. And... So Liz, I actually spoke to Jen, your compadre, about this because I am thinking about doing it uh, with uh, running by heart rate, or as we're going to call it in 2020, heart and soul, which I love that name. And uh, so I am thinking about running the Missoula Marathon because Dim and I are the headline speakers for that race. And mm-hmm. I just, I hear great things about it. I hear it's so beautiful and um, really, uh, from the interactions we've had with the race director, I feel it must be incredibly well orchestrated. And so, but I really don't want to get injured. So I think that maybe running by heart rate would hopefully allow me to sidestep any potential injury. Because right now I am 
injury free and I want to remain that way. So anyway, so I think, I guess this is it. I am saying it. I'm going to run the Missoula Marathon <laughs> next June 28th. Dun, dun, dun. You heard it here first. <laughs> yes. I haven't even told Dimity. So this is truly a newsflash. Have a Chiron going across the bottom of the podcast. Um, <laughs> so, so, okay. So, so let's start with my sticking point injury. Um, if someone has been injured or feels they're injury prone, like what should they, what should she take into consideration when, when thinking about a marathon? I mean, I'm going to just jump in and say, I, I, hard stop. I think that if you are injured or just coming off an injury, now is not the time to run a marathon. Um, mm-hmm. That's rule number one for me. Um, so, mm-hmm. and that was Amanda. Mm-hmm. Yes, Liz. How about what are your thoughts about how long somebody should be injury free before they hop on a marathon training plan? I would say that you should be able to look back at the past six months and not see any injuries or setbacks or inconsistency in, in whatever activity you've been doing. So, um, you know, I, I agree with, with Amanda that, you know, if someone's been injured, you really, you don't want to just jump right into a marathon. Okay. Coaches, if someone is considering her first marathon or if she's like me and hasn't done one in a while, I haven't done one since October of 2017. How do you decide if you're ready to step up to the distance? Like what, weekly mileage or number of workouts per week should a person be doing before they jump into marathon training? Liz, you want to? Sure. Um, first I would, I would look at your why, why do you want to do this? Why is this important to you? Why now, you know, why, why not wait? So if you have a good reason and, and a good reason would be, you know, there's that little voice in the back of your head that keeps whispering to you, telling you it's time, you know, that, that little thought that you can't just let go of, then I think it, it's a good thing to consider. And then I would look to your activity level, like I said, in the last six months. Have you been consistently active, let's say for five days a week? Not that you need to be running those five days a week, but doing some type of cardiovascular activity, for at least 30 minutes a day? Has it been going well? Um, and I think then when, when both of those things, you know, are, are, are blended together, you're in the right position to start to consider a marathon. Yeah, I, I think that's, you know, that's very sage advice. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I also, I, I, um, it's not that you can't couch to marathon, but I think that, um, well, and what, what Liz is saying is not couching it. I, but I, I think it's good to, you know, have a few other races under your belt. Um, you know, just get that experience first. And, um, you know, it, it just, it takes a long time to develop as a runner longer than most people actually realize, you know, physiologically. And, um, I think it's good to, to kind of understand the game and what you're doing and, and try yourself out at some shorter distances first before you make that big step up. Well, could you talk a bit more about what you mean by develop as a runner? I find that an intriguing concept because you're not just talking about somebody who feels comfortable slipping on a sports bra and a pair of shorts and going out and running. You're talking more at a physiological level, I feel. Sure. And, and making it more your, um, you know, that, that this is your main main squeeze, I guess, when it comes to exercise, you know, um, that, that you're not someone necessarily, you know, coming from cycling or, um, swimming or not that, not that any of those don't give you a really great cardiovascular buildup, but, um, you know, it, it's the strain and the wear and tear on your, your, um, physiology on your, your, you know, your muscles, your ligaments, your tendons, your bones, all those things. It is an adjustment and, and it takes your body some time to really, um, 
you know, be developed and um, I guess worthy of the wear and tear that you're going to face as a, as a runner. Hmm. That's an intriguing concept that, so that do you, because we definitely seems to me, that uh, seems to me we find we hear about a lot more injuries in the another mother runner tribe than maybe if you were hanging out with a bunch of kind of you know 50 year olds who've been running all the time you know for years and years and years and do you think perhaps that's part of it is that there's kind of not that for some of the people there's not that seasonedness of of being a runner and that maybe try to take on too much too soon I think that always comes into play with injury, you know, that, Mm -hmm. that, like you said, the too much too soon, the, the, you know, oh, I, I ran a 5k now I want to run a marathon or, um, you know, just, I mean, there are so many, obviously there are so many things that come into play with injury, but, um, but yeah, I, I think the, you know, it's, I, I get it. Every, it's so easy to get caught up in the excitement and like, you know, Yeah. yeah, it's, it's so common and, and, you know, um, but I think, yeah, newer runners are going to be more likely to, to, to fall into that category and, and um, kind of pay the price. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in, in Run Like a Mother, our first book, there's a sidebar that basically works up the premise of a phrase that my dad often said, don't make too many changes at once. Meaning like if you're changing jobs, maybe it's not the best time to move and have a second baby or and applied to running. If your spouse is deployed, you have kids starting high school and middle school and you're a chairperson in your school auction maybe 2020 is not your year to run a marathon. So the question is, how clear do the proverbial decks need to be to train and complete a marathon? Well, you know, I'll jump in on this one. Life will never be clear. We we always will have stuff on our plates. And as, as women and mothers, we'll probably always have more than enough stuff on our plates. Uh, but, you know, you need to make sure that you can carve out the time to get the training done and the time you carve out doesn't add an additional layer of stress to your family or the resources that you have you know and and you need to also be able to integrate it within a framework of sleeping well and eating well and you know because plenty of people will be busy and cram in the workouts but when you cram in you don't really enjoy them as much and you don't get as much out of the workout so make sure that that your life has the space for that for this and if it doesn't have the space for it the marathon will always be there so just you know put it put it on hold for a little bit that reminds me of something that uh, i will admit that i got to to see the the training by heart rate program that that jen recommended to me when i asked her about it which was the level two and in there it talks a lot about stress and how that your body doesn't know the difference between uh, various types of stress. Liz, could you talk a little bit more about that too? Well, stress is stress. And, you know, the interesting thing about our modern lives is that what used to work well for us when we were being, you know, chased by the saber toothed tiger is somewhat of the same response we have when we have a deadline at work or we have an argument with our spouse or we have mounting financial stressors. Our body just perceives it as a stressor. And so, we release different hormones and we react to those situations in the same way as if our life was being threatened. So you have to really be careful about adding another stressor. So, you know, going and taking on marathon training, that's a huge stressor. That's a lot of resources, you know, and energy that's, that's going to be used. So we want to make sure that we're not overfilling our stress bucket. We can handle some stress, but we just want to make sure that we're not, you know, adding something into it that's going to 
overfill that that bucket. I love that overfilling our stress bucket. A very visual. <laughs> I, I can see that. I can see the water pouring out the sides. Um, so, so realistically, Amanda, how much time per week does marathon training require? Well, I, I mean, of course, um, it, it depends on the plan, um, obviously. Um, but you know, even if you're you know looking at a beginner training plan, um, you know, I think you want to be able to kind of have in mind like six to 10 hours a week, you know, I mean, 10s on the outside, but I'm thinking about things that go beyond just the runs, you know, you've got to have, um, I believe some strength training in there. Um, you know, maybe a little bit of cross training here or there. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's more than just the running, but, but the running itself is time consuming. You know, every week you're going to have, um, a long run. You're going to have something midweek that's going to be a little bit longer than your normal day-to-day runs. And then of course the other, um, runs. So, you know, you, you're, you're probably on most plans looking at at least four runs a week. Um, so it's, it is a, it's a time commitment. Mm-hmm. Liz, I was intrigued at the training by heart rate. Again, they'll be called heart and soul programs in 2020 that they are done by time completely. So at the end of the week, instead of saying what your weekly mileage is, it says what your weekly time is going to be. Talk a little bit about that, would you? Yeah, that tends to stress a lot of people out that we design it. <laughs> well, because it's just this this traditional way of thinking that if I'm going to run 26.2 miles, I, I have to cover at least 20 in training. But you know, when we when we put together a training plan, we're not just thinking about that race, but we're thinking beyond that. And you know, really, we feel that the cumulative effect of the program is what prepares you, not any single run or a specific amount of mileage. I mean, some people run marathons really well on 30 miles a week. Others need to run 70 miles a week and and one isn't better than the other. Um, But just in this plan, we like to design things by time, especially that long run. We don't like people to be out there for 20 miles, let's say if their pace is 12 minutes per mile, because once you start to get beyond three, three and a half hours of running time, the amount of time it takes to recover from that run might impact your ability to get back and, and get into training again. So we're just looking at the big picture of the training plan, thinking beyond it that maybe you're going to want to do another marathon in the future. So let's, you know, less a less is more type of an approach. I noticed also that I was, I didn't study the, the plan, but I looked at pretty carefully and I didn't see any of those longer midweek runs as well. That I and I admit I was kind of pleased because on a lot of the plans I've been on, there's a eight, nine, ten miler on a Wednesday, and it didn't seem like there's that long of a midweek run any of the weeks in the level two program I looked at. That's correct. So we spread it out a little differently, and that way we can put a little more quality into the other runs rather than just trying to accumulate miles in that midweek and weekend run. Um, a different training stimulus than most people are used to with ordinary or traditional marathon training plans. Um, so, you know, and, it, and if it's something different than you've done before, it might just be the new stimulus that you need to take your performance to the next level. Well, and also I have to say it was good news because I sometimes find <laughs> that's the toughest, that's the toughest yeah, one to, to yeah. get in. I just, right. so, and who, who has time to run two hours on a Wednesday? Mm-hmm. Yes, most definitely. So I'd love for both of you to answer the question, how do you decide on realistic goals for a marathon, whether it's your first or your 20th or whatever it is? So you mean for your, your, your final time, like what you're, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to say, first of all, I think if it's, if you're going into your first marathon, um, 
I think it's great not to have a time goal. Um, just kind of try it out and try it on for size, see how it goes, and um, and then take the the you know the time goal for your for your next one. Um, but I also think that you know realistic metrics are recent races. You know, if you've had a couple of half marathons in the last year, um, you know, in the last six months in particular, uh, it's a good way to you know I, I like the McMillan calculator um, as, as a one way to to try to kind of figure that out and and get a number to to spit out and kind of work from but i also think it's it's um advisable that you kind of check in with yourself as you go out go go through the plan um you know plans don't always go <laughs> according to plan so um you know if, if you're finding that um you're not hitting your your goal paces um or you know really struggling to hit them you know it might be something worth considering and or conversely if you know, you're just knocking it out of the park, uh, maybe you can, you know, come up with a faster goal. So I think it's kind of a, a moving target. Um, but I think honesty with yourself is is always the best policy for, for coming up with a realistic time goal. Mm, I like that. Liz, how about you? I completely agree with everything Amanda said. The only thing I would add is to, to not forget to put things like weather and terrain you know, all of those things that are out of our control will influence our goal. So for someone doing a marathon in the summer versus someone doing it in the late fall, that's going to have an impact on the goal that you set. It'll be a little bit more than, you know, just what you've trained for or the fitness that you've developed. If it's 80 degrees, you know, your, your time goal is, is most likely not going to happen. So just keeping all of the factors in mind when you set a goal. Yeah, I have to say, so I trained for Big Sur Marathon in 2010, and I had this really great coach. This was before the Train Like a Mother Club program. So unfortunately, I didn't have either one of you. Mm -hmm. But so I was training, and I was intent on breaking four hours. And then I get to the hotel where I'm staying and ride up the elevator with a guy who's like, well run this numerous times, you know, to add 10 minutes to your projected finish time because of the hills, right? I'm like, what, what? Nobody's told me that before. <laughs> like, I would have liked to have gotten that memo a little sooner. Uh, <laughs> so, all right. So speaking of coaches, how do you choose a training plan? Which, you know, as I indicated, this will be the first time I'm training by heart rate, which I'm choosing because one, I want to avoid injury. And two, admittedly, I'm hoping to shave a few minutes, not a lot, a few minutes off my finish time of my last marathon, which was Twin Cities, October 2017. So, um, you know, uh, in addition to Liz, you talking about heart rate, Amanda, you talking about traditional, also please talk about the level of plan that are available for people and, and just kind of how people should choose where they enter into the, into, you know, which one they opt for. Right. Liz, you first. Okay. Well, our, the level one heart rate plan is, is really just an entry level plan someone who is newer to heart rate, but some people in the program have used heart rate before and, and they're just going to be using it in a different way. Uh, but this is a great starting point for, for anyone, you know, whether it's your first time marathon. In fact, I think it's a great starting point for someone with their first time marathon or someone who's never used a heart rate training plan before or someone who's coming back from injury. That would be our level one plan. I think it's suitable for everyone except for those people who have quite a few marathons under their belt and they're looking for, you know, to do more than just complete. Maybe they want to compete with themselves um, or set a new PR. So the level two plan is, is definitely 
juicier. <laughs> There's a lot more to it. Uh, and, and some of the runs are really challenging. The feedback that we got was these are really challenging runs, but challenging in a good way, you know, where you're, mm. where you're um, kind of surprising yourself that you were able, able to do it, uh, whether it's hill workouts or speed work. So if you want that like next level challenge, then the level two plan is, is appropriate. Okay. And Amanda, s- sell us on traditional. Sure. Um, so we have um, four plans to choose from. Um, the first being a, a run walk. And, um, you know, obviously that's a great one for a first timer, um, for someone who has run walked half marathons, if, you know, that's just the way you like to train. Um, or if you want just a better shot at just, you know, staying healthy throughout the process the first time through and kind of getting a feel for things. Um, and then there's go the distance, which is another great first timer program, um, or even someone who's maybe, you know, run one before. Um, it's just, you know, your traditional structured marathon plan. Um, I, I, you know, no bells and whistles, but it's going to get you to the end and it's going to get you there healthy. Um, and then we have, um, crush the distance, which is, you know, stepping it up there. And I believe that's what you used Sarah before, right? I think for it is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so um, that one's a little bit aggressive and, you know, aiming for people who do have some experience who um, are maybe looking to eke out a PR or, you know, just have a really solid um, plan coming off of, um, you know, a couple of other marathons in the past. And then finally, the obliterated plan, which is. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like we're nuclear physicists and this is like, well, it just needs to like shatter it and then we're going to obliterate it. <laughs> so I would say that one is, um, you know, the one that, that is designed for fewer rather than more um, folks in, in these plans, just because it is one that that is for those people who maybe want a BQ or they want a really solid PR They've got at least three marathons under their belt, if not more. They've got the time. Um, they've got the, you know, the dedication. This is this is really, really, really what they want to go after. This is the plan for the, for those people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So you t- you touched on that in the in the description of the obliterate the the having the dedication to it, and and I think that that is whatever intensity you're going to choose. That is so important to be really dedicated to a marathon because unlike a 5k which you can kind of fake the training a little bit that with a marathon you know the longer a race distance gets the more consistent you need to be with your training could each of you talk a little bit about the importance of that yeah liz do you want to go first sure uh, really at, at the start of the of the of the race all that matters is the consistency that's behind you. So no, mm-hmm. no single long run, no amount of miles. It, it doesn't matter if you haven't been consistent. Now, consistent means you hit, to me, consistency is you've hit 80% of the training that it has been prescribed to you. Of course, that 20% falls into life stuff that came up, illness, traveling, things like that. But 80% needs to have been achieved in order for you to be consistent enough to stand at that start line and say, I'm ready to handle whatever the day throws at me because we've all been there in a marathon. Once you get late into the race, once you hit that half marathon mark, you know, that's where the consistency starts to show up because not that it gets any easier, but you feel like you're prepared to do it. Your legs feel ready. Your, your mind feels ready. You have an idea of, of where it's going to go. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's right. I mean, I, I, and I say that a lot in, um, 
in our Facebook groups, you know, consistency is king. It really is. It's, it's just, um, you, you know, and, and I think this also kind of goes back to Liz's why, ask why you're doing this, you know, and make sure you're doing it for, you know, the right reasons that you're, this is something intrinsic and, and that you really want to do, that you're not really doing it just, you know, as something to um, kind of have as a badge of honor. Do it because you love running and you want to challenge yourself at a longer distance. Um, you know, and, and that's going to give you that, that dedication and consistency, I think. Right, right, right. Awesome. So, okay. So people have listened to you that it's really cemented some ideas in their head and yes, they are ready to make the commitment. So let's give them some advice on how to choose a race. You know, there's just so many things to consider location, cost, scenery, size of the race field, time of year, like Liz alluded to, you know, are your friends doing it? So, um, Amanda, could you talk first about, you know, some of those options and why they're important for sure. choosing a race? Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, I do think time of year is um, a really big consideration for most people, um, but in particular for some people, and I'm going to use myself as an example, I overheat. And so for me, I have never run a marathon in May. I've never run a marathon in September because, you know, you don't know. I don't care. I don't care where you're going. <laughs> you know, there's like, <laughs> Vermont, you know, the, it's Memorial Day weekend. And, and the last several years, that Vermont marathon has been horrible. It's been really, really hot. So, you know, know yourself um, and know, you know, where you're going and, and, and the time of the year that it is and really take those factors into consideration. You know, conversely, I've got a couple friends who, you know, they just fall apart when they're really, really cold. And so, mm. you know, November in Philadelphia, like this last weekend, it was, it was pretty windy and blustery. And, and, you know, if you're someone who just, you know, seizes up in the cold, you know, take that into consideration. So I think that's a big one to, to think of. Like to me, it's, that's almost one, one of the biggest, um, you know, size of race. It, I think take that into consideration depending on um, what kind of a runner you are. If you're someone who has a hard time, you know, if it gets really quiet in those middle miles and you don't have a lot of crowd support, then, and that, you know, that, that bothers you, you need to have the cheering, you know, consider that, go for something bigger, but also keep in mind that super big um, may, may not always be your best bet if you're going for a, you know, a real time goal. So um, I'll let Liz take over another, a couple from there. And those were some great suggestions by Amanda, you know, just, just expanding a little on the time of year. You know, if, if you have kids, maybe training through the summer will actually be more challenging. Uh, you know, so maybe you want to stick to something that's later in the fall or the winter. Uh, if you're an accountant, having an early spring marathon might be a challenge. So just really think about in the context of your life, what fits in the, you know, three to four months prior to the race. Can you sort of clear your schedule to put the space for the training and the recovery? Um, the size of the race, you know, I, I think for your first race, it's it's okay to, to go to a bigger race because you'll want the hoopla. I mean, it's your first time. You you want the big expo and, and the opportunity to buy race pictures and the crowd support is great. Um, I would think about traveling, to, you know, traveling to races is, is really complicated for a lot of reasons. So if you can find something local and then just look at the terrain. Do you like hills? Do you like flat courses? Do you want to try a downhill course? Does it need to be scenic? Are you okay with urban areas? So lots of factors to consider. Yeah, I also think one thing that didn't occur to me till Amanda was talking is the logistics of a race. I mean, I think about something like New York or Boston, which, you know, I know certainly New York is a big appealing one for people who think they're going to be one and done. 
But gosh, that whole logistics of getting over to Staten Island, so whether it's a ferry or a bus or, you know, whatever, and then having to wait around for so long. And so I think those are things that that you can kind of get um, get lost in your decision-making process that are should be taken under advisement. Agree. Agree. Yeah. 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 And so I thought of some also just tossing out some suggestions for people to find races. Um, Bib rave, race raves and marathon guide.com were three that, that jumped into my mind. And certainly I guess you could ask our Facebook pages, what races people liked. Um, so any advice that you think we've overlooked and also I, I fear that we've been a little, we've been very pragmatic. I hope we haven't been, uh, too discouraging of people running marathons. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I agree. I I I think I tend to to go toward the cautious end with that, you know, just um, in counseling people about whether or not they're going to take it on. Um, but you know, by all means, it, it can be such a, a wonderful experience, and um, you know, and a, and a wonderful way to challenge yourself. So if if you've got you know things in place, um, all the you know, if you can check the boxes that we talked about, you know, go for it and and, and enjoy it and. Um, you know, remind yourself that you're doing it because it's, it's something you love. And, uh, and I think it can be, you know, a wonderful, wonderful, um, rewarding experience. Liz, how about you? Um, I, I agree. You, you know, it's, it's exciting. It's, it's a goal that probably scares people. And sometimes we just need those, those big scary goals in our lives to, to keep things exciting and, and to keep us moving forward, uh, you know, so so don't be afraid to jump in and do it. And if you have any questions thinking, you know what, are you ready or not? Don't be afraid to, I'm sure many of you are on the different train like a mother pages and don't be afraid to throw it out there and see what the crowd thinks or see what the coach of the page thinks. Just say, mm-hmm. Hey, here's what I'm thinking. What do you think about it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good advice. Good advice. Well, all right, ladies. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your Thanksgiving week to talk marathons with us. Happy Thanksgiving. You thank too. You. All right. Well, here is Dimity doing a Q&A with our mother runner of the month, who is Laurel Short. And if she sounds familiar, it's because you are you have good ears. And she was a guest on this podcast uh, talking about headaches uh, earlier this year. Hey, everybody, it's Dimity here with our Mother Runner of the Month. I am excited to talk to Laurel Short, who is a 36-year-old nurse practitioner who specializes in physical medicine and rehabilitation and a mother of two in Leewood, Kansas. Hi, Laurel. How are you? Hi, Dimity. I'm great. Good. So Leewood, Kansas. Is that close to Kansas City? It is. It's a suburb of Kansas City, and I'm on the Kansas side, so it's a yeah, suburb of Kansas City, Kansas. Aha. Yeah, that's a that's a big controversial thing, right? And you're part of the world, Missouri slash Kansas? Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we nominated you for Mother Runner of the Month because actually, we um, recognized you, I should say, because of your nomination from a fellow mother runner named Valerie who met you um, as at our kickoff for the Race Like a Mother Kansas City group, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so at the kickoff when we were all in Kansas City and you were there as well, we were going around the circle and saying if we're running the half marathon or the full marathon. And I think Valerie and I were the only ones that said full marathon. So I kind of had my eye on her to try to get to know her. And during the four-mile run we did that day, we ran together and seemed to kind of run about the same pace and, and just really hit it off right away. And so by the end of that meetup, we um, exchanged numbers and decided that we wanted to try to meet up for some, some, of the, some of the long runs. So it was just kind of a, 
a fast friendship, I guess. That is so awesome. I, I love that. I love that feeling like I'm going to be your friend. I'm going to figure out if I can be your friend. And if I can, I will. <laughs> right? Yeah. That, like that that kind exactly, of hone exactly in on somebody. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Well, and so you were really her marathon angel. And I, and I mean, I just think that it's so cool because basically she was a first time marathoner. You have run how many marathons, Laurel? It was my sixth marathon, um, and, but I hadn't done one in about five years. So I was really excited to, to train for it. And I think it added to my excitement to be able to kind of help mentor Valerie and, and give her encouragement along the way. That's so cool. So tell me, like, so do you guys just, not just do your long runs together or mainly do your long runs together? It was mainly the long runs. I would say we live about 30 minutes apart. We're in, in different suburbs and we both work during the week. So it, it was best for us to, to meet up for the long runs. And, and we really started being consistent about it once we got, you know, over 16 miles. So when it really made a difference to meet up for the long runs. And then in the middle of the week, we would kind of text each other back and forth, which, which was really nice as well. Yeah. Well, so first of all, um, I understand because I saw you guys both at the Kansas City Expo. That was really fun to hear your story there as well. Um, I understand that you are basically like a long run route planning ninja, right? Like Valerie was like, yeah, I just showed up and she knew exactly where all the water stops were and where we were going to go and when it was going to be hard and when we were going to have shade. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I need someone like Laurel in my life to plan things like this for me. So, so how do you go about doing that, planning a long run? Because I think so many of us can get caught in the rut, like, oh, I'll just go out and back on the same path that I always do, right? Yeah, well, I, I was fortunate. And when I first started marathon running, my dad and my uncle mentored me and they had both been um, longtime runners and, and kind of showed me the ways of planning these types of routes. So I think it helps to be, be familiar with where trails are in your city and where kind of more scenic routes might be. And I really like to use um, a website or an app like Map My Run, which is totally free. And it, it doesn't take that long if you just get on and you know pick your starting point, whether that's going to be your house or a park. And then you kind of just start playing with, do I want to do a loop, which personally I like loops because they're a little more scenic, or do I want to try to do a one-way and have someone pick me up at the end? Um, for one of the runs Valerie and I did, we did kind of a course preview, and we had our cars at the beginning, and then we took an Uber from where the finish line of the marathon would have been. So that was oh, kind of a fun one as well. That's, mm -hmm. that's very cool. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. So... And, th and just thinking about little stuff like, you know, where are the water fountains going to be or, you know, planning for, for some bathroom breaks and, and just taking a little time during your week to plan for it. And then it actually gets you excited about, hey, I get to do this long run on Saturday versus the anxiety of, oh, gosh, I have 15 or, or 18 miles coming up. Yeah. Well, and you guys, I mean, obviously just getting to know each other, it's kind of fun to trade life stories that passes some miles, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the best way to get to know somebody is training for a marathon with them. And um, as, as you talk about on the podcast a lot with Sarah, you know, it just breaks down so many barriers of, of getting to know someone and being able to share things um, about your lives. Totally, totally. So you ended up running the race together as well, which I thought was very cool. Um, tell us about Marathon Day. We did uh, Marathon Day. In the morning, it was raining, but it was a light rain, so you can't control the weather. Um, <laughs> and so we, you know, showed up at, at the start line with, with our trash bags that we had on, like, ponchos. And um, I could tell Valerie was, was a little nervous, but, but excited nervous. And we just kind of went in with a plan that 
we're going to start together. And we also had trained with a very short walk break every mile, 30 to mm -hmm. 60 seconds. So we decided we would stick with that during the actual race because that had worked well for us in training. And we got about halfway through and I think we kind of turned to each other and just, it was a combination of, you know, we're running a good pace together, but also I don't want to be alone for the next half of this. So let's just keep it going um, and stay together. And we did plan on at around mile 20 that we would each turn on our aftershock headphones. Okay. So we kind of stay together, but focus on our, our playlist. And that turned out to be um, good because there were some hills the last six miles. And, um, you know, we chatted all the way to mile 20. But at that point, I think both of us were ready to just kind of focus. Exactly. You just kind of dig in because the fatigue had set in to a degree, correct? Exactly. At that point, you know, it takes so much effort just to, to maintain your pace, which was our, our big goal was to run either even or negative split. So we were more focused on that than a specific time goal. Nice. And did you do it? We did. We did. Um, I think we did slightly negative split. Um, and we, we were really happy. We finished, um, I finished just slightly ahead of her that last mile. We separated a little bit um, and we came down this big hill into the finish shoot. And I, you know, was feeling emotional. I turned around and I just saw her coming down the hill. And so we both finished between 411, 412. And it was, it was just awesome feeling. And she crossed over. And I think we both just kind of were like in shock and hugging and crying. Mm -hmm. And it was wonderful. Oh, that's, that is so great. That is so great. Um, congratulations, first of all, Thank you. To, to helping her on her first time through, but then also for helping her to negative splits. As many of us know, um, any marathoner knows and any first time marathoner knows, it is very easy to get caught up in that first half and not, um, not control the horses. So good job. Good job to both Thank of you. Thank you. Have you, have you run yeah, together I since the marathon? We haven't, but we were, we were texting about trying to meet up soon. Um, we were trying to last weekend and it, and it just didn't work out, but we definitely see, you know, training for more marathons in the future together. And especially, you know, my big goal in, in um, helping her was to make it a really positive experience for her. And that when she crossed the finish line, we'd feel like I want to do that again. And I know she did feel that way. And um, so excited for, for the next time we can train together. That is a win. Well, congrats, Laurel. Thanks for being part of the AMR community and many happy miles to both you and Valerie. Thanks, Timothy. All right. Well, I hope that got your mind spinning and exciting directions as to what races you might do in 2020, maybe a marathon. So if you want to join us at a fantastic race on the beach in on Hilton Head Island, then I suggest you hustle on over to anothermotherrunner.com and sign up for our Hilton Head Island retreat because registration for that closes Sunday, December 1st. And uh, the race that's going to be part of that is an inaugural race called Women Run. It's going to be an all-women's race run on the beach at low tide. And I tell you, that beach is just the widest, flattest, firm in the most positive senses of that word. It, your, your heel doesn't sink in, nothing. It is perfect. And so that's, I think, going to be one of the highlights of our Hilton Head Island Retreat, which is February 28th to March 2nd. Yes, we get to hang out together on Leap Day and probably also watch the Olympic trials in Marathon. And if that is not 
um, fitting into your schedule, please consider also our Rancho La Puerta retreat when we convene in Mexico, February 8th through 12th. And then here in Portland, Oregon, October 23rd to 26th. And uh, that is a Friday through a Monday. So uh, please consider joining us for one of those retreats. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles to you.